This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined, as always, by Tim, a.k.a. Cranges Big Basketball. And Tim, we just finished up streaming on Twitch for the first game for Rings Night, where we saw the Lakers fall to the Clippers, uh, 116-109. It was a sloppy start, Tim. I'm literally re-watching some of the first quarter as we speak, but... Not what we wanted to see from the Lakers, but we're going to break down that game a little bit more today for you. Um, but please be sure to go follow us on Twitch where we're going to be calling a lot more and doing a lot more streams of the pod and all that. But we had a good time on Twitch, uh, Tim, didn't we? Yeah, it was fun. We, uh, I, know, I, I know it started off all smiles from the, uh, what the Lakers did for the rings uh giving those out it wasn't just like the team execs we got to see the families get involved some of the local folks in the community um that quickly turned but uh as always we had some good uh chatting throughout that we were able to pull up the digital whiteboard and break down some plays as we were seeing it and uh being able to replace you know the the reggie miller booth isn't always the uh, worst position to be in to draw some folks to the stream so if you haven't listened before definitely check us out we'll try to do i think we're thinking maybe two games a week we'll see how it goes but uh yeah definitely a lot of fun and we're doing this right after that so all those thoughts still very fresh in my mind yeah totally maybe too fresh right i'm still uh <laughs> forgetting plays from the first quarter as i'm re-watching some of these again but you know it was a tough game it was competitive through most of it at least which the first game was not you know the lakers did battle back in that second quarter uh to cut it to a five-point deficit but um yeah like you said just quickly on rings night i thought it was uh, a nice ceremony like you said with the zoom uh intros for the families i thought it was classy as always from from frank and and genie their words so happy uh over the moon where i am at as far as loving this franchise and our future going forward so um but tonight at the start of the 2020 2021 season we ran into a tough hungry still very talented team in the clippers and they're improved with Serge Ibaka starting and we saw them run uh kind of a more 
um, appropriate offense for the personnel that they have, Tim. So breaking it down from that angle first, what did you see about the Clippers and how they were able to take advantage of the Lakers and get the win tonight? Yeah, so they, in general, had a pretty standard approach. They often would use off-ball screens, really quick pin-downs or flare screens, staggered pin-downs to get Kawhi Leonard or get Paul George one of their, you know, their two key guys running towards the ball, catching on the move, looking to turn the corner. They were often utilizing empty side actions, which means that the, you know, as Paul George is coming from, let's say, the corner up to the wing from a screen, there's no offensive player on that side of the court other than those two players. So if George catches the ball turning the corner, his role man has empty space. And we saw a lot of wide open pick and pops for Sergi Baca that way. We saw that that team leverage a lot of those off ball actions. If those didn't work, they would flow quickly into ball screens. So really quickly get two actions in really quick time they got a lot of offense off of that and then if that didn't work oftentimes the Clippers went to just isolation and ISO with Kawhi Leonard against most NBA players is a pretty good matchup and we saw him face some good defense tonight uh some from uh, some Lakers more than others uh and just hit some really tough shots throughout the night so the Clippers got it going they also added some points in transition they were getting into the paint early in the game they turned a lot of defense into offense and just in general I'd say that's how they went out and, and were able to put up the offensive performance that they did today and simply put too their top two guys were better than the Lakers top two guys and Paul George, like they both had a stretch of the game where they were really unstoppable and scored multiple baskets in a row. And you could see kind of that uh, that Lakers wing stopper defense issue come up a little bit. Now, was this the intensity of a playoff game? No, it, it wasn't. A little bit from the Clippers, but that intensity was not matched from the Lakers, at least. So you don't you didn't see LeBron match up with either of those guys. This story is still continuing to be written, but you know, on the ancillary guys and the West Matthews and Kyle Kuzma, outside of a couple of possessions, like really struggled against those guys. And it wasn't until late that the Lakers started to scheme against what you just described and play that a little more aggressively. And they did really good, like they did in the playoffs, at recovering and rotating and scrambling. And that made me feel really uh, optimistic, at least, because that stuff is high-end basketball communication and, you know, and execution, right? And, you know, they didn't... It just showed me that they can adjust a little bit. And it was kind of the second energy, you know, garbage time unit. But there's still some promising things to be taken out of this. So what in that respect uh, about Dennis Schroeder's game is one of the positives uh, and how he played. And in that second shift, we really saw him put the ball in his hands. How did he look tonight to you, Tim? Yeah, he he played well. Overall, he didn't shoot the best tonight, but I think this was the best. We certainly saw some of the best stretches he's had since he's played, including preseason, mixing it in with the rest of the starting group. That said, there was still a little bit of a one or the other sort of offense when him and LeBron were on the court with either they'd run a set for one of them or the other one, or one would run a ball screen, the other one run a ball screen. We haven't quite figured out how to use them both (laughs) at the same time, get them both pressuring the defense and 
using some of that off-ball action to occupy help defenders make life easier for each other. So that wasn't quite there, but Schroeder still had a good game, put up 12 rebounds somehow, eight assists. He was facilitating really well. We saw him completely change Montrez Harrell's game because Harrell, for the most part, was absent from this game other than when he was playing with Schroeder. And then we saw those pick and rolls generating tons of offense for both of those guys. So I really liked that combination. Schroeder, you know, wasn't perfect, but I think he had a pretty good game. Certainly his best game so far on the Lakers. And I'm encouraged with what he's brought so far. After the first stint, I was thinking, man, it it might actually make sense to start Caruso, play Schroeder off the bench because they were using him like Danny Green offensively. He was just a spot-up shooter. And that's not the way to make the most of him. So... If it's, I know import, uh, starting is important for him, but if most of his minutes can come in situations where he's able to play more his game, and we saw that more the second through fourth quarters, that probably helps set him up better to succeed, and it certainly helps the team. So that was interesting. We saw how that really helped Harrell. We didn't see as much Schroeder Gasol sort of chemistry in this this first game, um, but yeah, I, I, I thought that was really interesting. And one last point on that wing stopper defense it's really tough to stop Kawhi Leonard. And we saw the Lakers actually right. turn to AD later in the game with Paul George. He's a tough matchup just because he's less so an ISO guy, more of an off-screen guy. And Kuzma and Matthews, two players the Lakers had on him often, are more the wing stopper ISO defense types and less so the we're going to chase you around off-ball pin downs and flare screens. And that's what they were asked to do. They're not as good at it. And he got a lot of offense attacking those players where they're weak. So... I actually thought that KCP probably put in some of the best minutes on Paul George defensively, even though he's a smaller guy, more susceptible in an ISO situation, just because he was chasing around the screens really well, made life difficult for George. Um, if a switch needed to happen, he rotates pretty well off ball. He was active with his hands. He even had a block on Kawhi at one point. Um, I really liked what I saw from KCP last night. But yeah, that the matchup situation wasn't ideal. But just like you ma- mentioned, it wasn't quite that playoff uh, intensity from the Lakers. It's kind of hilarious now, actually, like what you described is like what PG bitched about on the All the Smoke podcast about Mm -hmm. like being run like Ray Allen. Like he had like at least like three of his threes, maybe and like maybe two of his threes came off of like these staggered screens and he's catching and turning and shooting and firing, you know, like Ray Allen does, which is kind of funny to me. But that that's neither here nor there. Um yeah, the Kawhi and PG had really, really good offensive nights, uh, especially PG. Kawhi ended 8 of 20. So, you know, there were some good diff defensive possessions there on Kawhi from AD. Uh, they matched up pretty similarly to what we've seen last year, I would say. Um, I think that there's small kind of nuance changes around the edges, like the, the whole Zubach Harold dynamic where we saw Harold get kind of beat up a little bit on the offensive rebounds for a shift. Um, and you know, Zubats just kind of being uh, coming off the bench now, giving size to that Clippers lineup just matches up poorly for what the Lakers are trying to do. And, um, I wonder too, if we don't see Gasol start to come off the bench because, it's something we talked about on the stream, Tim, and I know we're just kind of bouncing free free thoughts here, but we almost have too much creation in the starting lineup with Gasol there, and you might want to see him run some second units uh, instead. 
Yeah, I think either with him or Schroeder, move either of those guys to a, a lineup that doesn't have LeBron and AD, and suddenly their ability to play make for others, each in their own style, is able to be leveraged a little bit more. Like it's it's nice having a bunch of guys on the court at the same time that can pass well, but you won't be able to get the volume. You're not going to be able to get the number of LeBron ball screens or just like set plays along with uh, Marcus Saul, like high post facilitation just because there's only one ball which is a funny thing to mention you, like there's only one ball to play make with uh it's not necessarily a shots thing it's a like if Gasol's out there and you're not leaning into his passing he adds so much less to your team offensively than he could if better optimized for the skill set he has so I think that's a really good point that was a big piece of why I was hoping to see Harold start just in general before the season mm-hmm. started, but you have, you, there are different ways to frame the discussion and different ways to say it. either, you know, this is positive or that's a negative. I think the team will figure it out. It was just game one, but we already kind of saw how Gasol without his passing can look just kind of like a shell of himself in terms of even what he's yeah. able to do just based on who you throw out there with him. And we, for the whole game, we didn't really get to see all that much of him and he got into foul trouble early. He ended up with, I think, 5,000 in the game. When he was out there, we weren't running five-out offense, which I think is one of the ways we've spoken about how he changes the way this team can attack. You, If you can run five out and driving and cutting lanes are there, you can lean into his facilitation or LeBron or AD can ISO with more space or drive with more space. We didn't really see that, nor did we see Gasol play that quarterback position like he did in some of the preseason games. So, wasn't the best game from him. Some of that was the game planning and approach going into this. Um, I, I think the Lakers are going to look at this film and realize that they're leaving a lot of points out on the table just with how they're approaching the offensive lineups and uh, offensive attack within those lineups. So quickly here, Marcus Gasol in 12 minutes racked up one rebound, one assist, uh, one turnover and five personal fouls. And the Clippers really targeted him early and often. And he mostly struggled, um, you know, and we he wasn't able to kind of hedge and recover the way we've seen with some other plays there in the preseason. But this is pick and roll on its highest level uh, with these guys coming to the basket and Paul George and Kawhi and you know, Kawhi was able to get into the teeth of the defense on those plays and get to his spots in the mid-range and show that touch that he has. So a rough night from Marc Gasol. Uh, there wasn't really anything great about his shifts, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but this could be a team that's particularly bad matchup for him, uh, unless it's against Zubac. And, you know, it's it feels like that rotation or that adjustment would be quickly made in a playoff series. But this was not that for the Lakers. This is them feeling stuff out. And we saw a lot of weird lineups tonight, Tim. And I haven't dove in exactly into the exact lineup data yet but we saw stuff that was like three guards with ad and trez or with excuse me with ad and gasol in that lineup uh with like tht caruso and kcp so lots of weird stuff out there thrown from vogel tonight with different lineups and such yeah it was it was a strange game and we ended up seeing less of those Gasol playmaking minutes. We saw Schroeder a lot of his time with the starting group and less of him being able to run some of those second units. We saw Kuzmo 27 minutes in this first game and he became 
the default scoring option at times, not like go ISO, but we saw him often used off of pin downs, off of staggered pin downs, and he got 11 shots up, went six for 11, went one for three. He had a couple shots off of screens that like probably should have been threes, but he was like standing on the line. Yeah. Uh, but like almost exactly what you're looking for, not quite. Uh, I did like on a couple sets, the Lakers ran him off of screens and they designed it in a way that like he was the scorer, but he didn't need to make any decisions. It was like run off of some staggered screens. If the shot's there, you're going to get the ball. If the shot's not there and LeBron's the passer. So he reads that if the shot's not there, turn the corner, cut to the rim. If you get the ball, shoot it. If you don't get the ball, run to the opposite corner off of that exit, uh, kind of almost like a pin in sort of screen from Caruso. And then maybe you might get the ball. And we, we saw him get the ball for an open three there where it's like, Use Kuzma's three-point shooting in two different ways and his cutting in one way. Let LeBron be the decision maker and not need to rely on Kuz to like process the defense. But that was just one example I liked. We broke that down on the the Twitch stream. Um, he got up a bunch of shots and played a lot more than I think the two of us were anticipating when we were walking through what the minutes for this team might look like. And Wes Matthews on the other end only played 11 minutes. That was one of the guys that was on the lower end of what we were expecting. Yeah, Wes Matthews, another guy who really struggled out there in different ways, didn't really put up a counting stat except one steal in 11 minutes. And he struggled in some of his defense against Kawhi. He got caught, uh, you know, extending out a little bit too far. And, you know, we broke down some film this offseason about some of his matchups on Kawhi and how he played good defense. And I don't think that's gone in one game. I think he got beat in a couple of areas and had a, a bad couple shifts. But 11 minutes is a small sample. And the Lakers are still figuring out the guard wing combinations that they that they want together. But we did see THT tonight and he did come out of it. Um, looking pretty good still with a, a whopping plus seven in his just under 11 minutes. But mm-hmm. he, he was a part of the lineup in the second quarter that helped kind of bring the game back a little bit. And we saw him match up a little bit on Kawhi and provide a little bit of pretty good defense, but not a ton to take away from THT in his minutes in this first game, Tim. Not a whole lot. He did about as well as you can expect him to do. Offensively, two for two, got to the free throw line, knocked down his free throws. Defensively, I think he did as well as you could have expected him to do, uh, just given the matchups he was thrown into. Uh, But Actually, three fouls in 11 minutes is bad. He had three fouls, too. Oh, I just just noticed that. Okay, that was not something I noticed live. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, same. yeah, that, that's that's not ideal. So knock him a little bit defensively. And that, that, I think, is the big question mark for him. Offensively, we've seen what he can do. We'll have to see how he operates with the starting unit, if he does play with the starting unit at all. Does he just become that Dennis Schroeder stationary shooter, <laughs> like spot-up shooter Danny Green sort of role? Um, and then the defense. Like, he's been a weaker defender. Uh, we saw him a weaker defender in a pretty tough matchup situation in this game. And... Uh, once I break through the film, it'll look a little bit more clear, but watching live didn't notice a ton. I, I noticed a couple times he made some mistakes, uh, obviously in limited li- minutes and with the fouls that he committed, probably didn't perform all that well. Once I 
go through and break down the film. But uh, if he can improve on that end, I think there will be opportunity just because of how we may see KCP or Wes Matthews or Kyle Kuzma struggle at times for certain types of defenders out there. There's a stretch in the second quarter again, going back to that, that was really promising to me. And we saw KCP make some nice reads and, and the ball start really moving uh, with the Lakers, keeping their advantage that they kept. But, you know, there's one play I wanted to point out too, where you know, I forgot when we were talking Schroeder, where we saw LeBron actually, you know, as the short roll guy. And that ended up getting a really good look that didn't end up falling, I think, from the corner. But we haven't really seen... LeBron, even with, you know, Rondo or other kind mm-hmm. of ball handlers in a while out of that short roll position. And that could be an interesting kind of facet to the Lakers offense if they if they decide to play Schroeder and LeBron a little bit more, have LeBron be the screener. Yeah, I think that's a great situation because, you know, here are the options you have as a defense. If you double team, dump it off to LeBron in the short corner, or I'm sorry, not short corner, short roll. That's a great situation. If they go drop coverage and go over that screen and LeBron makes good contact, you probably are going to get a pull-up two from Schroeder, which he likes, or maybe a pick-and-pop for LeBron. If you try to go under that, as long as you're setting those deeper screens, Schroeder's going to get to those mid-range twos that he loves to get to and we'll see him be effective against under coverage like he was last season. If you try to play more aggressive screen coverages that aren't quite a double team, you're still going to end up with LeBron in that short roll. So no matter what you play against that pairing in the ball screen situations, you should be able to get a good look if you're the Lakers. And it's really a, a potential pick your poison. So that is one way to get both of those guys involved in a way we just quite haven't seen yet. And another thing with actually either of them running ball screens with that starting unit and, and even with Trez out there with Gasol or Trez, we saw a lot of not five out basketball in times where ball screens didn't work because the, the offensive lane was just clogged by having a dunker, a, a guy in that dunker spot who neither of those guys are great lob threats. Um, so it, it just stationary, you weren't really throwing those lobs to them, but because they were in that way, their man, that their defender was in a position to try to disrupt some things. So uh, just another little tidbit to add in that I noticed watching live that was really frustrating because it just seemed like the Lakers had no spacing, especially in that first quarter, but it got better as the game went along. Lots of small little tidbits of takeaways in this game. Um I, like we talked on the stream, I think we both kind of expect Markeith to play a nice fourth quarter uh, role for them. I think that we saw that a little bit when they were trying to stay in the game at the top of the fourth. Uh, and Keith ended up here with 19 minutes on the dot. Um, he played well, considering he was a plus 14 on a night where the Lakers lost by seven um, and were down most of the game. So. You know, a plus 14 in 19 minutes. Yes, all those are loud, but he he gives the Lakers something in that defensive uh, coverages and shooting that, you know, he he did well in his his role tonight. And I expect if Gasol is going to have long nights like this, we see more Keefe at the five. Um, but so much to unpack here. Little tidbit at a time. I'm I'm into the the second quarter rewatching some of these clips, Tim and um, is a Caruso THT KCP Keith Harrell lineup that made some good defensive stops um, consistently against Kawhi and some of those pick and roll coverages. 
Yeah, and one thing we saw later in the game in ball screens and then also in isolation and also in those off-ball actions was that the Lakers showing and recovering where it was kind of like a temporary double team. You just mm-hmm. you're you have the big man step out, make sure that guy can't turn the corner and then recover to their man. Those sorts of coverages would give up those dump off passes to the screener. But when it's Zubats or it's Patterson or some of these guys, Batum's better, Ibaka's better at this. Um, but with like Zu in particular, you're not as worried about like him attacking your defense in a four on three situation out of the short roll. Um, so we saw the Lakers turn to that later in the game with some success. Uh, what the, the lineup you mentioned, I remember seeing a lot of just defense turning into offense, varying their screen coverages, just being active, showing some energy and helping the team just get back in the game. Yeah, and shortly thereafter, we had AD come in for Keith, and we had an AD, Harrell, um, THT, Caruso, KCP lineup. So again, we're seeing THT. I don't know. I think I probably more slot him in really as a guard uh, in terms of who he is, what he does well. Um, and so there's kind of a three guard lineup there going on with, with Harrell and AD, but you know, you still have some decent shooting and the defense there though is what is promising with AD matching up on Kawhi, some of those possessions. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we we can only talk so much about one game. We haven't rewatched it, I guess. Um, trying to keep this loose and free. Where, where, where do you want to go next, Tim? Sure, yeah. So something I noticed, and I mentioned this towards the end of the stream, was the Lakers in this game looked just noticeably weaker from a rebounding standpoint and from an interior defensive standpoint. Part of that w- it was because Gasol didn't play as much, and then Wes Matthews is another good like box-out guy from a rebounding standpoint. But just... Taking a step back from Dwight and JaVale as rebounders, as rim protectors, also as dump-off men to what we have today. It's a different style of offense, different style of defense, and the team's still figuring that out. So even though most of the big pieces are back and the team's only integrating a few new pieces the Lakers have a lot to figure out, and they're almost starting, not from square one, but they have plenty of work to do to figure out how they want to play the lineups, how they want to play within those lineups, how you overcome a rebounding disadvantage that they didn't often have last season, how you want to overcome you know, fewer block shots. We see fewer goaltends probably this year along with that. <laughs> uh, just some of those things, like how do we deal with, do we want a guy in the dunker spot if we can't throw that lob? If it's just going to clog the lane, how do we approach that differently? And even throughout this game, we saw some growth with the team doing some more sandwich rebounding later in the game where instead of just having Harold try to hold Zubats off one-on-one, you have a guard or a wing crash down from the perimeter on the other side of Zoo. So they're, he's sandwiched in between Harold on the inside and a, a guard or wing on the outside so that if the rebound goes uh, pretty much anywhere but right in the middle of those two defenders, you're going to be able to grab that board. That's a tactic we'll see the Lakers likely turn to more and more often as the year goes on. Uh, from an interior defensive standpoint, we're seeing the team change their coverages and do more to just try not to let folks drive to the rim and not need to rely on interior defense instead of more of like the drop coverage like we saw last season. And and they have personnel this year that in that same sort of way is more well, well equipped to play those more aggressive screen coverages and try to deter shots rather than need to defend shots at the rim. Um 
with the dump offs, we then saw the team, instead of having a guy in the dunker spot, or as they did earlier in the game, move to more five out or five out ish offense. And we saw that with Keefe. We saw Harrell running like delay sets where he would get the ball at the high post, or I'm sorry, not the high post, but the top of the key and be operating in handoffs. He had a really nice uh, pass over to Kuz on a cut. I think Harrell had three assists in this game. So his playmaking was on uh, display. He's not really like a low post playmaker, but in some of those more perimeter passing situations and handoffs, he can be strong. So just some little tweaks within the game. And this team still has plenty of room to grow, but we're seeing them, I think, tangibly improve quarter after quarter, game after game, just from an approach standpoint. And hopefully that trajectory continues and we see this team identify or I guess figure out what their new identity looks like because they can keep some of the same core concepts but the way they execute that the approach will need to tweak to better match the personnel that they have they can't take these new guys and play them like those old players in the same ways and expect it to be as effective yeah no really well said uh summing it up there uh there are so many moving pieces still uh, figuring out and this is kind of what we talked about in the offseason that it may take an ad defensive player of the year type performance to keep the lakers defense uh at the same level it was and i still expect the lakers defense to take a drop um just based on the personnel that they lost and the continuity you know that it takes time so we could see uh, a 10 to 20 game sample of the Lakers feeling each other out, you know, guys in and out of the lineup. So having that extra depth, having that 11th man, you heard Markeith Morris talk about how that's going to help them in the long term. And I tend to agree, you know, one bad game from Gasol doesn't worry me off of what he's good at. We're going to still see plenty of him uh, making great passes and, you know, stretching the floor and, elevating what LeBron and AD are already great at, but it takes time to get there. And Mm -hmm. it's just going to be playing through it and figuring out, you know, if you're okay with starting Harrell and those Harrell LeBron pick and rolls, you know, going under finding a solution for that, that you're comfortable Mm with. And, you know, but defensively, it really might just come down to AD playing more of that five dominating, you know, rim protector and affecting the game that way. So it's, it's going to be a lot on his shoulders this year. Mm -hmm. And as we go through game after game, one thing I'm going to be keeping in mind and I'd recommend the listeners do as well is think about like uh, of how we've seen these 10 or 11 guys played, how many of those players are like optimized in terms of their usage. This game, Schroeder, I wouldn't say was optimized. Gasol wasn't used in his best way. AD and LeBron, we saw them get in more of a rhythm later in the game, but early on in the game, when double teams were sent their way, the Lakers didn't have a response to it just yet. And they figured that out as the game went along. We saw a really nice counter to the Clippers sending a low double on a uh, AD post-up isolation. We got a nice Herald you know, dump off, nice dunk for him. And then on uh, later on in the game, instead of posting AD up for those ISOs, they started from the perimeter. So if the double did come, he was facing it and he could see where it was coming from more easily. And that player would have to cover more ground to get in a way to disrupt him. So just little tweaks like that. But uh, looking at them, I think Morris was used well. Harrell, once he was with Schroeder, was used well. Kuzma, 
we kind of got a sense for how the team wants to use him. Caruso, again, just I think every game so far from Caruso, we haven't seen him and the chemistry he has with LeBron really tapped into. And depending on the lineups you use him in, he's just going to disappear for some games. So I, there are just a lot of guys in the rotation that I think we can see better versions of, not just like on a game by game, like hit your shots or don't hit your shots basis, but just from a, a usage approach standpoint. So think about that as we move forward, because we're not close to the peak of this team, even from an approach standpoint. Excellent. And I think that's going to do it, at least for us today. I don't know how long we can talk about one game without going in. We will talk more about this game coming up, I'm sure, in the coming days. But Tim, it is late for you. Thank you for sticking up with us. Um, Yeah, man. Uh, Any other parting shots you want to leave with and then we can get out of here? Uh, no, I, I mean, I think that was it. Don't get too high or too low after this game. It, yeah. It's not a, man, the Lakers are in trouble moment. It's game one of the season. We lost the same game against the same team last season. Yeah. Uh, so no, yeah, d- it, it reminds me a lot of that game, actually, as we've talked through it this last like half hour and just like in terms of how it played out but the intensity mm-hmm. wasn't there last year it felt like a playoff game is the first game of the season this didn't feel like that yeah yeah i'd agree with that and i i don't know I, there's still real things that need to be cleaned up i wouldn't chalk it up to just like oh this one doesn't matter or like they were trying harder than we were I, I think both teams were putting in some effort um the intensity i do think was there a little bit more with the clippers and that does matter that's right. not like just it doesn't just like not exist but i wouldn't if you're the Lakers, I wouldn't use that as an excuse to not reflect and not identify right. the areas to improve. But we've seen them have really good process in the past, and I expect that to continue moving forward. And w- one last parting thought is I, I saw a clip of Alfonso McKinney interviewed just asking him about like the film sessions in L.A. and how they're different from other places he's been. And just hmm. what he shared I thought was really valuable. He talked about just observing the whole team really participating and watching plays together, sharing what they think. It's not just a coach up there lecturing. And I've worked on teams. I've partnered with teams where the coaches sometimes get up there and they lecture. Uh, Having that collaborative approach where it's like, oh, this is what I'm seeing. Oh, you know what? I was seeing that too. Here's how we might want to defend that differently or attack that differently. That is just tapping into – 20 minds instead of three or five coaching minds. And that's the best way to get the most out of everyone. And it helps guys learn. It helps improve IQ. If you're only told what to do, but you're not part of the process in terms of figuring out how to get there, it's harder to learn basketball. And some of these guys can be really good, but developing that IQ standpoint, uh, that IQ sense for the game is something that can also still always be improved upon, even if you are really talented. So that I thought was just really cool, really neat insight into how the Lakers operate. Um, Just wanted to share that with everyone. No, it's great. I hadn't heard that, man. I I love that so, so much. I I love the philosophy that, you know, yeah, coach or, or whoever, you know, might be the single smartest basketball mind, but all of us together see things that each other don't. And you can come with creative problem solving, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's just really cool, really promising, just good process stuff that yep. is is promising for the Lakers future. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was going to hit at is even if the team has work to do, I have faith that their process is going to help them identify the issues and solve the issues way more so than any Lakers coaching staff we've been uh, fans of since we've at least begun uh, being on the content creation side of things. So they've got work to do. They'll figure it out. They're not taking anything for granted, but hopefully everybody still enjoyed some of the game, got to see some of the highs of what this team could look like. We saw a nice push by the Lakers there in, you know, second through fourth quarters. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll be back with you. Uh, everybody, there's what, a game on Christmas against the Mavs, and then mm-hmm. I believe a game against the Timberwolves. We're going to figure out what our schedule looks like, communicate that to to y'all, and uh, enjoy the games with you. Sounds good. Be sure to follow us on twitch.tv slash Lakers Exceptionalism pod, and we will catch you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.